Heyo, good people. Welcome back to another episode of My Good Place. I am your host Niraj and today's topic of discussion is counterculture. I will get to what that is and the main content, the panel discussion of course. But before I do that, I want to thank you each and every one of you for the responses and the feedbacks I have received from you all from the mental health discussion. It was heartwarming to say the least. So thank you. And if you are new to the podcast, welcome. This is a podcast where we try to create a collective good place through conversations. So we try to get a diverse ideas, experiences, perspectives from different socio-ethnic cultural backgrounds and try to discuss my good place, the panelists good place, your good place and importantly our good place. So if that sounds good, welcome and hit that follow or subscribe wherever you're t- tuning in from. I appreciate you. And to the returning listeners, last week's discussion on mental health was was little on the heavy side. So this week, uh, the topic is rather lighter. However, very important, I think, counterculture. So this is also going to be two-part discussion of which of this is part one. If you're wondering what is counterculture, Wikipedia defines it as, open quote, uh, counterculture is a culture which values and norms of behavior differ substantially from the from those of mainstream society, sometimes diametrically opposed to mainstream cultural mores. Close quote. So basically it's like a philosophy or a culture or a profession that is not normal quote-unquote normal uh, in the society or the community so now further ado let me introduce you to my panel on this topic art wild simone zinna naz khan christina krakowski parisha rasbandari and helping me moderate this week's discussion Minugurum and oh one more thing this panel was vibing so hard so I did not want to interrupt the flow of the uh, discussion so I did not really edit a whole lot so what you get is the full experience here so here is your part one All right, thank you so much everybody for joining in. Today is very important, another important topic we're gonna discuss, which is counterculture. I hope, for the listener who don't know what counterculture is, I look at it from my perspective as something that we, uh, that's uh, something you do that is not normal in your tradition or culture, that you're going against what the norm, quote unquote, your job should be. So we have a panel who have done it, who are in that profession. So I am going to let the panel speak for themselves. And I am going to start from Christina, if, uh, if you want to talk about yourself, what you do. And let's start with that. Um, so my name is Christina Krakowski, and I am an actor living in Pittsburgh currently. Thank you. And Art? Hey, my name is Art Wild. I am an artist entrepreneur currently based in New York. I'm from Nepal. Moved here when I was 18. Learned how to play jazz in the streets of New Orleans. Uh, lived in LA for a while where I learned how to record and produce. Started my record label, Mad Honey Records, last year. I have my debut album out everywhere and I'm currently working on my sophomore production. And uh, yeah, that's it. Thanks, Art. Uh, Simone, if you want to introduce yourself and Uh, tell us about what you do. Sure. Uh, Hi, y'all. I'm Simone. Uh, I run a tech startup uh, focused on nutrition here in LA. Um, It's been going on for almost two years now and I moved to LA when I was 20, I want to say. And um, yeah, went to college and now I'm doing this. And Simone moved here from... Oh, I'm from Italy. 
Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Parisha, I'm coming to you. Hi, I'm Parisha. Um, I am a professional dance artist, educator, choreographer. choreographer. Um, currently, I am working with a dance company as their dance artist, and um, we heavily focus on movement for social justice. Um, yeah, that, and I um, constantly try to work on my own little projects. Thank you. Naz, I'm coming to you. Hey guys, sorry I'm in my car, but um, I got stuck in traffic, but I'm here for you guys. This is Naz, I'm from Chicago. I am a um, science fiction filmmaker, also part of uh, a couple of startups. Uh, I'm also a creative director in user experience. And um, my background or my family's from Pakistan. I moved to Pakistan when I was 13 from the US. I came back when I, in my early twenties. Um, I've been involved in filmmaking for about 15 years. Um, Currently, I have a science fiction film that's up in, uh, it's on TV on Canal Plus in Europe, in Virgin Airlines, and it's being used in Spain as some educational material because it's about the first clone president. So it's science fiction. Um, so yeah, that's me in a nutshell. Love it. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. And today, uh, my co-moderator is Minu. Minu, if you want to introduce yourself and tell us about what you do. Hi, everyone. Um, I am Minu Gurung. Um, uh, currently, I'm residing in South Carolina, but I'm also from Nepal. I've been uh, living here in the US for over a decade now. Um, I work in finance and tech industry, and I'm, I'm excited about today's discussion. Thank you, Niraj. Definitely. And uh, so, all the questions I'm gonna pick randomly because uh, I don't want to. I don't want one person to be on the spot all the time. So be prepared, y'all. I'm gonna just throw a question at you like nobody's business. All right. So I'm looking at you, Art. I'm coming to you, Art. Why do you think counterculture is such a foreign concept? Uh, since you said you're from Nepal, and why do you think this? Uh, what you do is such a foreign concept. Um, so I feel like counterculture um, is a foreign concept, not just to where we are um, from. It's it's a it's going against the grain, sort of, right? So it's going to be counter to any culture that's prevalent. And um, Nietzsche has this thing about how there's the strong and the weak, right? And it's it's kind of unintuitive because. Um, what he talks about is the herd is the, is the strong, right? The, the herd holds values. And he says the weak ones are the ones who kind of go against what, what's held, right? And it's kind of like how bones grow when you're young, you know? So when you're young, you're running around and your bones get like micro fractures. And from all the damages to the, to the stronghold, that's how you grow, right? So I feel like just because of that, like the bones don't wanna get hurt, right? So the bones are gonna wanna stay the same, but like we gotta have like different things going on that aren't already in the stronghold, right? And um, as far as our culture goes back home, it's, uh, it's just, I feel like we, and we talked about this, um, we mistake vulnerability for weakness back home, whereas vulnerability should be seen as the strength that it is. And I feel like in a lot of what we do here um, is about expression and expression is vulnerability that really helps change shit, right? But yeah, we're kind of afraid of that. And uh, that's that's the biggest thing that our culture has against counterculture. I am complete. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I hear you definitely. And I wanna get Simone's thoughts. Simone, why, why do you think 
the concept of counterculture or what you do is such a, a foreign concept even in your country? Um, well, I guess because according to the norm, you're supposed to, you know, find a secure job. And even if, when you look at it, you know, from maybe your family perspective, say you have kids and so on, you want to make sure like, okay, they can take care of themselves. They're going to have an income. They're going to be able to have job security and so on here in the U S job security is really strong as a value. Um, but I guess that it's the same thing in Italy and then in Europe and so on. Um, so, you know, when you put yourself in some situation where it's like high risk and, uh, you know, there's no really job security here and there, people tend to look at you like, you're crazy. Like I would never do that. Right. So that's why, um, I mean, they're not to blame, right? Like what, what we're doing, it's, it's really high risk. Um, but I also think like we are young, so we're kind of in a, in a position where like, it's, it's easier to take that risk now uh rather than later but i think because of all of this people yeah it's not that um prevalent as you know a career path or a decision to make in life does it make sense no yeah it <laughs> definitely does and i think that's what we're trying to do here uh since we have started <clears throat> we have taken that risk and if anybody's looking up to take that risk we get to inspire them you know so that's what, what we are here for, I think. Uh, and I am gonna come to Parisha. Parisha, if you wanna uh, talk about why counterculture or what you do is such a foreign concept. Yeah. Um, so I have like few different lenses on this um, topic. Um, just thinking about just me as a dance artist is some similar to what Art said is just um, expression and being vulnerable. All of those things are somehow not accepted. Like as a society, especially in Nepal, we've just decided to put on this strong face on and um, um, unable to accept that um, we have different paths other than just that. Um, that basic financial structure that um, Simone, am I saying it good? Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. like similar to what she said, you know, that um, go, drive, going away from that and deciding our own path. Um, and especially as an artist, that is just something that people cannot wrap their head around. Um, so as a dance artist, um, I feel like it is, uh, hard for people to see how someone can be willing to um, dedicate their entire time into something that may not give the financial security that the society has um, somehow believed is the most important thing in life. Um, but, and when I look at it in the lens of um, doing social justice work, or fighting against the injustices, I am finding every day that it's this um, people or society as a general being unable to sacrifice their privilege to see someone else's um, struggles and to accept that, hey, this sort of, this group needs more than what we've been giving them. Um, so that is why they're fighting against what we as a society have um, established. It's not enough. So to to understand that, I guess someone in power has to realize that, oh, I got to give up some of it. Um, and just as a society, it's people can't do that. Or people, or at least right now, they're not able to. So I feel like that's um, one part of it. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, I, I hear everything that you said. And totally makes sense thank you for sharing christina i'm coming to you uh what are your thoughts on why what you do is such a foreign concept and you are one of the panelists who are yeah from here also you know yeah um so i think like basically it's a foreign concept or not seen as common uh basically i agree with everybody on what they've said but also i just think it's 
a lack of people experiencing it from an artist's point of view, from an actor's point of view. Um, they're not living it every day, so they're not experiencing, you know, that kind of lifestyle. Um, also, this kind of creates like a closed-minded effect because they're not experiencing and seeing it. Uh, another thing is it can also just come from an upbringing, you know, how you were raised. Again, you, it's common in the U.S., as we have said, that, you know, you get a job that's financially stable, you support your family, and obviously in the art industry, nothing is ever guaranteed to you. Um, so I think that's something that really puts people off by it, and they might not take it as serious. Yeah, uh, people don't don't really try to get out of the comfort zone. Uh, and I think that definitely resonates with a lot of people. So uh, finally, I'm coming to Naz. Uh, if you are able, uh, why do you think what you do or this counterculture is such a foreign concept? So when I think about counterculture, it really makes, and first of all, I'm just loving everyone's different perspectives. perspectives. I really love hearing everyone talk about it differently. And in my head, it was, it, it was, it was just a completely different thing. Like it, to me, it comes down to like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. There's, if you say, why is it so foreign in my community? When you say community, it might be, you might be talking about like um, uh, the culture I belong to, um, which is Pakistani or Indian or the subcontinent, right? There is just from a community and nationality and geographically that area, that place. Look at the middle class, like there, there's a there's a huge difference between uh, your poor class and your high class, and it's vast. How is one supposed to start thinking outside of the box? How is one supposed to start experimenting? How is one supposed to like put all their other needs away and be like, okay, I'm gonna experiment? It it's 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 a foreign concept in my community because people are still trying to make ends meet. Uh, in a country like, like the US, I don't know that uh, actual data points, but uh, the poverty level uh, compared to the community or nationality or the area that, of the world that my family belongs to, it's vastly different. So why wouldn't be, why wouldn't counterculture <laughs> be foreign in that type of community. Uh, I've been very, very privileged, extremely privileged to be able to even think outside of the box. I don't think it comes easy and it's, it's everyone's circumstances. So that's the way I think about it. And I, I, there's plenty of perspectives on counterculture, I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. And this, uh, since we ha we are pretty diverse and I think that's what we need to bring out all the different perspective from all the different cultures that we belong to we identify in and whoever is listening to this and whoever if they identify to that culture or uh, community that identity they can relate and we can inspire them you know so uh, I see uh, art raises an art uh, you want you want to ask or add something to that yeah, um, yeah, really quickly, because um, um, uh, that that comment about um, the hierarchy of needs, the pyramid, uh, really hit home with me. Because that's what that's where the stronghold really um, gets trapped, right? Because um, most people can't think about all these artistic, expressive needs when they can't, you know, put food on the table. But at the same time. Artists often have a sort of distorted prism when it's when it comes to this pyramid, right? Because that's why the starving artist thing is so prevalent. Like, you know, artists would rather not eat and they'd pay for studio time instead. You know, like I've been in positions where I've couch surfed for months trying to put my record together. You know, I'm like my last record, I I recorded a lot of it in an abandoned church in LA, you know? And that's crazy, right? That, that, that's like 
no one in their normal mind would would want to be doing stuff like that. But again, it comes back to the fact that counterculture wouldn't exist without culture, right? We got to have this main stronghold thing to have alternatives to, right? And and yeah, I feel like the pyramid isn't necessarily the same for everybody sometimes. Love it. Anaz? Uh, I just wanted to respond. Thank you so much for uh, talking about that. Um, I, I, that's what I was going to say, that, that it just seems like the reason why it's so foreign is that uh, counterculture is so foreign is that for some people, they cannot, they cannot, uh, you know, mess with that pyramid. But for some people, they can, and they want to, and it's different for them. Uh, but I feel like most people just stick to that pyramid, and it's risky and it's scary to, you know, jumble it up. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Uh, so I am going to move on and I'm going to actually get to my co-moderator and what she thinks about counterculture, what of this conversation, I guess, uh, summarize it. No, I, I, sorry, um, I agree with everyone. Um, and I think I'm not exactly sure who said that it was um, about something about herd mentality. I think, especially for our South Asian um, community culture, I think for us, we are so, um used to having that herd mentality so anytime that we go out of our norm or it's a uh, uh, the concept of uh, counterculture i think it's probably perceived as a threat um so i'm actually agreeing with everyone and this is such a uh, diverse perspective on uh, on this topic so i am uh, enjoying this discussion thank you i see parisha uh want to add something yeah, um, I just kind of realized, not realized, but I just kind of thought of, um, you know, there's that saying, Samaj that means like, what would the society say? Right, yeah. So that's what like the herd mentality and all that. And that is very, very, it exists in such a great extent even now. And like, that's what I just thought of just hearing everyone is like, oh, what would the society say if you do this instead of what everybody else does? So just kind of wanted to add that to everyone's um, great conversation, yeah. Thank you, I appreciate that. Uh, Mino, uh, so. All right, thank you, Neeraj. Um, so I see we have a very diverse panel. We have artists, we have dancer, we have actress, filmmaker, app developer on uh, fitness. I My question for you is um, whatever path or whatever career you have chosen, um, why? tell us why did you choose uh, knowing that it is um, not common in the community or the culture that you come from? Uh, tell us your story. Um, I want to go to art first. Um, Art, if you could tell your story. Thank you. Um, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Nina. Um, first of all, I hope the dogs are doing well now. Um, okay, okay, cool. <laughs> um, so for me, in retrospect, there was never gonna be a different path, right? Like, and what I do just stemmed from a need for expression. I started writing and playing and performing when I was 11 years old and I just never stopped, you know? And like, there were moments where I thought I would have to just do what my dad said, you know? And there were, there were times that I almost gave into that, but like, I'm so I moved to the States all by myself at 18 when we got hit by those two massive earthquakes. Those happened and my dad was like, um, <laughs> he was like, okay, you pick a school to go to, we're sending you to India to study like engineering or to be a doctor or some shit. And I was like, fuck that, right? So um, I, I, I got into, um, I got into UNO and I just moved to New Orleans and things just haven't been the same since. Like I'd been performing and writing and like collaborating way before then, but like New Orleans is just, it's the birthplace of jazz, you know? It's just like, 
it's it's an anything goes like free spirited melting pot and i just learned so much from it and it really empowered me to like take this to the next level um but i never really had like this aha moment where i was like okay this is who i am this is what i'm gonna do it's like i i just it was just always me you know it's like yeah this was just what i was always gonna do man <laughs> Thank you, um, Art. I actually definitely relate to whatever you just said, because especially for our, from our community, I know all every parent's expectation is for a kid to be a, either a doctor or an engineer. So for someone, for you, someone like you who's gone, uh, you know, artistic uh, path, I mean, I appreciate you. Um, and I just hope looking at you, um, I hope the young generation from our community can just feel that okay i can also do it i can you know uh, get away from all these uh, norms and maybe i can choose what i want to so i appreciate you uh, art okay uh next i want to go to uh parisha tell us why did you choose the uh, career or a path that you have chose chosen knowing that uh it is not common for our culture or community i want to know your story tell us your story um yeah, it is going to sound a lot similar like art. And it is so weird. And it might be just because, I mean, you know, we're, we're artists and that's just um, how we, a lot of us feel. Um, but yeah, didn't feel like there was any other choice. Um, I do not remember as a kid when I decided it, like, oh, th this is going to be um, my chosen path or whatever. but. Um, I do remember just even as a really, really young um, kid that um, I would always like anyone would come to me and like, oh, what do you want to be kid? And I would always go dancer. And uh, well, some people would think like, oh, like a like a pole dancer or a bar dancer. And then, yeah, I know it, it was I don't know. Yeah, but that that's our society, you all. But, um, you know, and not that there, there's anything wrong with that by the way love it um but just just saying that's what you know people go to whatever anyways but yeah i would just say dancer without thinking anything and that was when i was like not even 10. um and um you know growing up i just started learning more never uh, stopping to you know explore this art of dancing um and um, and then I decided to come here to um, the U.S. to study study dance because I just didn't find any option in Nepal to go to the extent of studying, learning, and creating that I wanted to do. Um, and I I do think I it was a great privilege for me that my parents somehow just supported me it wasn't just like completely all the way supporting me I did have to kind of this wiggle my way into double double major thing and then drop the other major afterwards you know oh that's what you did too art you know like my I don't know we 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 connect on a different level love it but anyway so I just had to do that but 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 that's another story whatever so that you know that's how I just fell more and more in love with this art. And um, now just reflecting back on a lot of those things, um, what I've been thinking is just one of the reason that just made me feel like I have to be a dance artist and I, I could not stop speaking up for things and for people who could not speak up. And I had to be bold and I had to be fierce is my mom. And I realized that because my mom, let me tell you, she's really hardworking and fierce, but she's also very much of a society person in the sense that she would support me. But when it comes to her, she would let that, um, let other people step on her or like, you know, do things um, for others instead of um, for herself. And I saw that as a kid a lot. And now I see it even more. And she, she doesn't speak up, you know, but she's so brave and bold though, but she doesn't speak up when it comes to her. So um, so I have to, I cannot not speak. And she always used to tell me as a kid, she said, I couldn't dance. Um, she told me always, like I always wanted to dance, but I couldn't. And I just never thought of that until now. 
So yeah, I can't stop now. Thank you for sharing your story, Parisha. Um, I actually relate to that story because when my cousin said that she wanted to be a dancer and everybody said, um, as a hobby, uh, because nobody really thinks it as a professional, at least the, um, so I definitely relate to that story. Thank you, Parisha, appreciate. Um, next, I wanna go to um, Christina. And I know Christina, you are an actress. Tell us about your story. Why did you choose to be an actress? and? Um, especially if it's not, because since it's not common or in your community, in a culture, um, tell us your story, um, Christina. Yeah, so um, I was actually just thinking about this the other day because I just finished my first movie and I was just looking back on like, you know, the journey and things like that. And it's going to sound very common to everybody else's theme here. I, you know, I knew from when I was a kid this is exactly what I wanted to do. I would watch television and movies and I would be so fascinated by the characters and the storytelling and everything about it that I just like was totally in love with the concept. Um, but the problem was I didn't have the confidence. I didn't have the self-esteem to step out of the, the you know, norms at the time and say, this is what I wanted. Because when I would go and tell my friends, you know, we'd be like, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? They'd say lawyer, or doctor, or president. And all of that seemed more realistic than being an actor. So, like, you know, it was something that took a lot of time to, like, come to terms with of this is who I am. I graduated high school, took a year, tried different things, tried a more still creative, you know, path but seemed more realistic job-wise, but it still, it just didn't give me the creative outlet that acting did. And eventually I, you know, my, my college closed. So I took it as a sign of this is what I'm not supposed to be doing. I signed up for an acting studio and it's been about a year or two now into my career and I've been loving every day of it. So, yeah. Thank you, Christina. Uh, you need to share your, uh, what I, the upcoming movie that you've just played you need to share those so we can support you um, but thank you for sharing your story um, Simone I want to come to you next and if you would like to tell uh, tell about your story and why did you choose the uh, the career that you are right now sure thank you um, so I feel like my story is going to be way different than everybody else I uh, at first I did not have I didn't know from the beginning oh I want to be you know I want to run a startup nor anything especially in italy from the area where i'm from we weren't even thinking about you're gonna be um it wasn't the best of areas but everybody was just kind of going with the flow uh given the environment and so on and uh what really made me think about the future and about changing my basically my life because I migrated to a foreign country was uh, getting exposed to the US. I did um, uh, an exchange student year in Missouri. I experienced what the, the culture was here. Um, experienced that if you actually put effort in the things that you do and if you have a plan and so on, you can actually achieve the goals that you want, which was a very foreign concept to me from uh, where I grew up. Um, and then after that, I went into college um, and I decided to do CS, which was very different, uh, was a very different major than any of my friends were doing. In, in Italy, the, the prevalent one is economics or just dealing with money and so on. Um, but it, I, I just felt like I wanted to build something or somehow uh, be able to tackle problems in real life through tech, uh, which obviously is always uh, evolving at a, an a crazy rate. Um, and sometimes I kind of feel like the career chose me instead of me choosing the career. So when I was, uh, when I transferred to my four-year institution in LA, um, as I was taking classes in parallel, I was also taking classes on app development and so on by myself. And I kept enriching my knowledge and skills and, and just overall like developing different projects here and there until I found out like until 
this one week I was um, I was training some students at the um, on campus because I was a personal trainer there and I noticed that they didn't really know what to eat and so on so I was like okay like I learned these scales so far so I'm gonna put together a mobile app that's gonna tell you exactly what you gotta eat and it's gonna help you out like that um, and then as I kept on developing that more and more then I got interest from the school, I got interest from other schools, and then I decided, okay, I can tackle this problem. I really wanna, I really wanna develop this. Um, and I'm just gonna go like full on with this project and, until I graduate it. And then we raise some funds. And sometimes I'm, I'm here thinking like, wow, like th this all happened. And I don't know, like it kinda, it, it just kinda happened. I just put all the work and this is my career now. Um, so yeah, that's. Thank you, Simone. Yep. Yep. Uh, thank you. Um, I'd definitely like to know about the uh, the app that you have developed because obviously I think it's a future. Um, I definitely use a couple of uh, app myself, so I would definitely like to know that. Um, next, I want to go to Naz. Um, Naz, if you could share and tell us uh, uh, tell us your story and why uh, did you choose to become a filmmaker? Um, I think for me, I I always had a creative streak. I always had a um, a sketchbook. I was always a storyteller. Uh, I didn't quite know that I would become a filmmaker. But I did know that I wanted to tell stories in some way. And for me, initially, it was more around like drawing, drawing characters or drawing stories through landscape or abstract art. Um, once I got time to go to college and choose my majors, my family did definitely, my, my father wanted me to go to business school. And even though I, I had so many fights with my father, I even like took an aptitude test at the most renowned uh, design college, design and art college in Lahore, um, which very few people pass. I passed it and my dad still didn't let me go. And he sent me to business school and he told me if I go for a year and I still don't like it, I can, I can switch. I went for a year. I got the best grades in the in the class. I was doing so great in business school, but I still I just didn't want to do it. It it just comes right back to it. Like it's less about like I I was able to do other stuff. I I am I am in IT right now too. Like I do a lot of things. I, I'm a, I'm an app developer, an experienced designer. That's also storytelling. Uh, I draw a lot of parallels between user experience for mobile apps uh, and and between filmmaking. It's all communication of some sort. And there, I, I didn't know what medium it was going to take. In fact, I don't even know what other mediums I will explore, uh, you know, going forward. But it will be some kind of storytelling. Um, my father was a filmmaker. And I never uh, got involved in filmmaking because of him. In fact, that wasn't even top of my mind when I chose to uh, uh, go to film school. Um, I always looked at my father as someone who's pursuing a profession that is only meant for men to do, especially in the Pakistani community. It just was not something that, you know, females from just middle class, uh, all, you know, households do. It, it was frowned upon and it was also an excitement for me too. I was, uh, I wanted to be a storyteller. I was already a web designer, a graphic designer. And I, w I just wanted to bring motion to my communication. Um, and it was difficult with family. Uh, there was a long, there was long periods of not talking to me and long periods of abandonment, uh, which everything is fine now, but it was very difficult uh, trying to take the path. 
Uh, thank you, Naz, uh, for sharing your story. Uh, for uh, I know for South Asian, we do we do share a similar uh, culture. So I really applaud you for uh, doing what you're doing, and I hope that inspires a lot of other women as well. Um, so uh, I am being told that art has a question uh, as a question. So art, um, go ahead. Um. I just wanted to ask um, Simone what the name of the app was like, just, you know, drop it here and, you know, I'm sure some of us will adopt it ASAP. Oh, sure. Thank you. So uh, it's called Meta Nutrition. For now, it's just a web app. Uh, we're coming out with the mobile version of the app in a month or, or two. Um, and yeah, it tells you exactly why you should be eating to achieve your fitness goal or um if you just want to have more food variety try out different recipes and so on it, it really adjusts to what your schedule is and to what your um food preferences are or food restrictions are um and yeah check it out <laughs> hope you like it yeah that's the that's the website if you sign up from there then uh you can get to the web app yeah, Art was just showing, uh, showing the uh, app or the website. Since it's a podcast and it's an audio medium, so I just want to, uh, people who are listening like, oh yeah, what the fuck they're talking about, you know? Uh. <laughs> but yeah, definitely. So Thank I'm you. curious, you know, uh, I know a lot of you said uh, it was always there, like you know, uh, it always been there or uh like simone said and i'm actually going to come to simone first simone you said uh career actually chose you rather so when did you get this uh like uh get this idea that cho career chose you and what what hit you what's your uh kind of memory of this is it you know this is what you want to do and you kind of touched on it and if you want to also talk about if you looked up to anybody while you were on this journey? Um, sure, okay. So in terms of career, when I said like the career chose me, I meant like my, my company kind of chose me, right? Um, I, I kind of always wanted to do an entrepreneurship route um, coming from an entrepreneur. Like everybody in my family is an entrepreneur. Uh, so my parents are entrepreneurs and then my uncles are entrepreneurs. So that's kind of the only model I had. Um, but then, yeah, when it came to, when it comes to my company, then yeah, the, the company just kind of picked me and I have a very specific episode of when this happened. So, um, when I first developed, so I initially, I developed the app, not for the general population, but just for the kids, uh, the students at USC and it was for the dining halls. So based on the menu of the day, that it would tell them, okay, go eat this or, and so on. So then the university covered, uh, and covered uh, the app in an article and that got the attention of the hospitality department, the Dean dietitians and so on. Um, and so I had uh, meet, the Dean dietitians wanted to meet and when I met up with them, they were very happy about the app. Unfortunately, they weren't able, they didn't have resources to endorse it. But one of them told me, you know, you should make a career, a career out of this. And that really stuck with me, um, you know, coming from a registered dietitian, telling a kid like, you know, this is so good. You can actually um, help people and you can make a career from this. And that's kind of like the drive that I was feeling like I, I want to, I want to push this thing out. Like I want to make it into something great. Um, that's, that was the aha moment for me um, where I decided like, okay, we're, I'm going with this. Like this is, this is happening. Um, so yeah. And, and after that, there were many more aha moments, but I guess that was really the, the spark that triggered it all. Yeah, that, that's the word I was really looking for, the aha moment, you know? Yeah, so, yeah, definitely. Thank you. So I'm coming to Naz this time. Naz, what was your aha moment? And if you looked up to anybody? You know, I don't know about the aha moment, but the moment 
I met my tribe and it wasn't just like one day or one time. It was early on um, in, in college when I met my tribe, like the people who I'm still in contact with, I still make art with, uh, I still develop stories with people that I just like brainstorming just rolls off the tongue. Like the moment I met those people and I kept meeting people like that throughout, like I, I've been at this for 20 years now. It's just, that's the moment I knew that there are more people like that in the world who are also following the path of art and I get them and they get me and therefore this must be for me. And then there are also some women um, I look up to specifically in the Pakistani culture, like someone's far off aunt or someone's, you know, elders, uh, sister. Like when I would see these rebellious women, <laughs> I would fantasize and think that you know what, I like that these, these women are different and they want something different and they're unapologetically, authentically themselves and they don't let any societal pressure or preconceived notions of what they should be bother them. And it immediately always gave me, um, it felt like they gave me more power. It felt like I would get butterflies and like, this this feeling of excitement that you know what this is who I want to be I want to be somebody who does something a little different or or at least follows a path that takes them to a different place um so yeah I don't know if that quite answers the question but maybe some points no it definitely does and uh it's your story right and yeah it definitely does and uh, also i guess you kind of looked up to your people your friends uh and if you ha if if you have anybody to share like who's like a celebrity figure if there is any nas who you look there up are, to there are in fact and it was you know it's so true you have to see people like yourself in positions of power or creativity to even imagine that you can do something similar. Like seeing other brown women do amazing things always has been the, uh, one of the driving forces behind um, really giving me the confidence to do stuff. Like one of my dear friends and mentors, Fazia Mirza, she is a um, queer filmmaker from Toronto, she she has been lovely. She's been a great role model. Uh, you should look up her stuff. Uh, the, there's this aunt I have. Her name is Dr. Amna Butter. She was in politics in Pakistan and was worked very closely with Benazir Bhutto. Uh, if people know about the uh, politics in the subcontinent, um, people who are brave these women who were brave and got out in front of the crowds and, and did things that were completely not normal or not, I wouldn't call it normal. Normal is, um, you know, subjective, but things that were uncommon. Uh, it just gave me a lot of confidence to just go and do what I wanted to do. Thank you. Yeah. And I think uh, something you said about having somebody who kind of look like you on the power of now in the position that you want to become potentially like i think kamala harris inspires a lot of people uh, in the brown community uh, so yeah i just wanted to put it out there so uh, i am actually gonna come to art art if you wanna share uh when was your aha moment uh, and i you you did say uh, you've always been playing but when did you know you okay this is gonna be my niche for good and if you looked up to anybody, so take it away. Um, yeah, so I didn't have an exact aha moment, but I had multiple non-consecutive hmm moments. 
you know? So, um, like, the first paid gig I got, like, I was, like, 14 years old. And everyone always told me that you can't make money doing this shit. And I got paid at 14 years old. And I'm like, hmm, you know? And, and then I, 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 I did my first spoken word thing, and I won that contest. Did, had no expectation. I just did that because I wanted to do that, and it turned out great. And I was like, hmm, you know? playing my first open field concert um, in front of like a large crowd. I was like 15. Never thought I would be doing that kind of stuff before that, you know, like moving to New Orleans and being able to, when I first started playing in New Orleans, I was actually a barista at the time studying computer science and I hated everything. And I just decided to take my guitar and go to the streets and people started showing love. And I was like, hmm, you know, like all these different things add up. And like, looking back, it's not like one aha moment, but it's like all these little things. And maybe an aha moment is still like on its way, you know, like, or maybe, it, you know, it'll take, um, maybe it won't happen you know maybe maybe you don't need that for for things like this um but yeah um as far as uh what was the second part of the question who you looked up to if there is anybody you looked looked up to um well there wasn't a lot to look up to community wise right especially as far as the nepalese community goes we're very um you know, our attitudes towards arts is don't do this shit, right? Um, so there wasn't anybody really to look at in that way. And, you know, I think like Nas said earlier, just being, um, you know, just falling in the minority is just kind of hard doing things in front of the world, like on a large scale, especially considering how whitewashed everything is um, in the Hollywood neck of woods, right? And with, um, even with a lot of a lot of MTV and radio and all that stuff we grew up with, right? But you know, just doing my research and finding facts about how music is so universal and there's like s such thriving communities of of people like you know people like BB King and like that that guy on my wall right there, Robert Johnson. Like you know, it's it's. Miles Davis, Jeff Buckley. Um, born, but you know, their music just spoke to me. And uh, all I wanted to do was, okay, music saved my life, right? When I had nobody, it was these voices on the other side of the speaker that really got me through the day. And all I ever really wanted to do was be that voice for whoever needs it. Yeah. Appreciate it, man. Love it. Thank you. Love, love, love. Um, Christina, coming to you. And if you want to share, if you have, have had an aha moment, like Art said, or you have uh, consecutive Hmm, moments. So if you want to share anything and who you looked up to, of, of course. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, I feel like the big moments for me were when I first stepped into an acting class and I found all these people who all wanted the same thing. And when that was to create, uh, it was also just like the most judgment free zone I've ever walked into. And I just remember performing for them and everyone was so supportive and I just kind of knew like this is it like this is where I want to be this is my environment these are my people like I, I love it here uh the next big moment had to be my first short film I did for a film festival and it played in like a mini theater it probably sat like 50 to 100 people and just seeing everybody react to my performance and enjoying it it was just 
another really good feeling. Um, there was like tons of people that motivated me and inspired me along the way. Like when I was a kid, obviously it was these big stars that I would see on TV and I'd see like the chemistry and the cast between, or the chemistry from the cast, you know, and how they got along. And I was like, yeah, I want to be in a group of people like that. Um, but I mean, it, it wasn't just like big stars. It was like my family and my friends, um, my acting teachers, I owe a lot to them as well as my classmates and now my co-stars. It's just every step of the way, there's been new people I've met that have helped boost me and motivate me. Uh, another inspiring thing was I, I go to conventions a lot. I frequent them because I watch a ton of television and movies. I get invested in them. I'm big fans of them. So I'll go and I'll, I went to one convention and I met uh, this actor who I really look up to. And I was telling him it came up that I was an acting student and he gave me such amazing advice and motivating words. And he ended it with that he believed in me. I mean, to hear that from someone you look up to means the world to you, um, especially for someone who has made it as a working actor and who is, you know, working really hard to produce these movies and these films. It was just really inspiring to hear, you know, from one actor to another who are on different planes, but trying to create the same type of thing. Yeah, definitely. Uh, something you said, if you get inspiring word from somebody who you've been looking up to, that just tells you, okay, you're doing good shit, you know? So yeah, having said that, I'm going to come to Parisha. Parisha, if you want to share, when did you, or if you ha had this mo aha moment or hmm moments uh, and talk about who you looked up to growing up or yeah. Um, yeah, keeping it going with the aha moments. Um, I think I, I had lots of them, but with different impact, different scales of ahas, if you will. Um, but as a kid, I don't know when I like, I, I don't, I can't remember those times of like, oh, aha, you know, this is my life path. But um, just um, before I moved to US, um, a year before that, I, um, I just had uh, graduated high school and there was this one year gap before I started, decided to start my college. And that was when I found out that I, I was only 17, 16, I don't know, but I was able to teach younger kids and earn my living well, minus the house, because I lived with my parents, of course. But other than that, but I provide for myself in terms of like transportation, uh, food, allowance, and all of all that stuff. I did that. And uh, for a 16, 17 year old girl to do that in a dance industry in Nepal, um, I you know, just even then I was really young. I didn't think about these things a lot, but even then I could feel that I can do this. Um, and that was a one year long aha of like, okay, I think I am capable of doing this. Um, and, and then I moved here, my college, I mean, that was, a, that was a long, long aha because that just, um, I was pushed, I was, um, um, there were the first two years were shit because um, you know not white not does not do white dance which is modern ballet um, if you know if anybody knows about um, you know different styles of dancing if anybody is um, someone who follows dance there's lots of different dance styles and techniques right and I never grew up dancing ballet or modern which is the standard of um, western society and I don't rock with that. Um, I just do my thing, right? Um, so that was that was horrible. So it took me those, I graduated in five years. So it took me five years to realize that um, I don't fit into that Western technique. And um, so that meant I had to figure out what is my thing 
even in dance. Like, yes, I'm a dance artist and I'm going to do that forever, but what, what is it though? Where, where do I lie? What is my voice as an artist? So that, that was a long, tiring um, you know, realization. And then it's recent really um, big thing for me is that I, I found a place in a dance company, which is a, um, a beautiful ensemble of femme folks who are just powerful, fierce, and who, who just um, hold each other um, and, uh, you know, tell stories of communities that are um, not able to. Um, and I found them and I am, I know I learn so much every day from them. And uh, um, that is, and we do this technique where our, it's a, the company is Ananya Dance Theater and the, the director is originally from India, but she just created this technique, which is this great blend of um, yoga and orisi and martial arts. And it is a contemporary dance, y'all. It is contemporary. It, contemporary can be something that is not ballet or uh, modern dance, you know, for people who maybe don't follow dance. Contemporary is what is now, what we create now. So it is a contemporary dance, but yeah. And then that's where I found my place. That where it synced it in my body. And it was like, I'm home. Um, so yeah, and uh, people who I uh, looked up to, and I resonate with Nas a lot on this one, is that you know you gotta um, see people doing the shit who like people who look like you, who have similar experiences like you doing it. Um, growing up, I didn't really have that a lot, um, especially in my um, you know very personal experience. I did not have that, and um, now these women I work with. Um, they're very much people who I look up to and um, yeah and in the hope that I can be someone especially for Nepali dance artists who want to find their own way um, I hope that one day I can be someone that they can at least talk to they don't have to look up to me but at least you know have a conversation with ask some questions um, yeah thank you Parisha uh, yeah and I quickly want to give Simone the platform because Simone has to leave. And uh, I want to let Simone talk about his app, about himself, whatever he wants to uh, add before he leaves because, yeah, he has work to do. And I appreciate Simone being here, sharing all the inspirational life stories that he shared, his perspective. So, Simone, take it away. All right. Well, thank you, G, for inviting me uh, and having me here. I, I call him G, by the way. I know he goes by Niraj with other people. Uh, it was great hearing all your guys' perspective and stories. Uh, I just enjoyed it like a lot, very, very much. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I already talked about my app. If you guys want to check it out, um, we're always building something to help people with nutrition and helping them figure out what's best for them to eat you can find it uh at metnu.com m-e-t-n-u.com and then just sign up from there um sorry i gotta go uh but again thank you so so much for having me and uh yeah have a great rest of the day y'all all right you take care right. simone okay. all right thank i'll you. talk to you later all right. all right bye bye okay uh minu i am actually gonna come to you uh yeah any final thoughts on the whole conversation of having an aha moment or people looking up to? Um, I obviously do not have as interesting story as um, the all of our panelists, but I'll uh, definitely share this one. Um, when I was coming here, which is over a decade ago, I was 18 year old. Um, I nobody in my family had ever been to or US or just outside for uh, higher studies. So for me, when I had made that decision, I think everyone in my family had uh, were um, shocked. And they just didn't know how to uh, take it in. Uh, they just didn't know how some uh, a woman, uh, young woman of my age would ever go to another country, let alone as um, thousands and thousands of miles away to study by her own. So for me, I think uh, 
that is something I'd like to share. And I think, um, and my my dad was the only one who really supported me and which I'm so glad, I'm so, I so appreciate him for. And now I have my cousins who's who's now um, in US, they are doing, they are in Australia, they're doing their um, higher studies. Um, so I guess um, that's also, a, I would say, um, maybe an example of uh, counterculture. I mean, um, so yeah, that, that's something I wanted to share. Uh, over to you, Niraj. No, definitely. That, I think that is it too. Like just making that first step, what is not normal in your environment is uh, being this, uh, it fits in this idea of counterculture, I would say. Such amazing people, such amazing perspective, knowledge and experiences being shared. Don't you think so? I had so much fun recording this. All of the panels were like a long lost friends who got connected after such a long time. And the part two, panelists become more comfortable with the space and expressing themselves with such openness and appreciation of each other. It's just con contagious. So that's what I'm hoping for we can do anyway, spread kindness, gratitude, uh, positivity, appreciation, make these things uh, contagious, positive things contagious, if that makes any sense. So do, do it more, do it often. And part two will be out next week, next Tuesday. So once again, I want to thank my panelists. And if you are looking to connect with my panelists, I have all of their social on the episode steps description. And finally, don't forget to follow me on social media. I am at my good place on Twitter or Instagram. Or if you like emailing, my email is mygoodplace.pod at gmail.com. See you guys next week.